song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note, podcasting with Bree and Corey. Get it. Don't worry, be happy. I think that's one of my better, um, my better ensembles. I'm very, very impressed. I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Jamming in the Attic. My name is Andre. I've, um, I've been your leader for about two months now, and I think that our tribe has made its way into a very good direction. I think we're ready to conquer the, the Southeast boot. And together we make a whole. We have two very special guests in the attic. I didn't know if we were going to be able to pull this off. But as fate (laughs) had it, it happened. We made it happen. It almost didn't, but we made it happen. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It literally came down to the wire today of Corey being like, all right, we're going to be pushing it, but this is going to happen. Yo, I didn't know what friendship was until I found out that y'all were driving two hours to come here yep. and do this podcast yep. and then go back home. And I wouldn't let any either of us back out of it or push it back. <laughs> My friends. Yep. Give it up for Bree Simmons hey. and Corey. What's your last name? Murray. It's okay. Murray. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Corey Murray. That's a fucking great name. Isn't I- it? Dude, yeah. everybody likes to call me by my full name, and I used to hate it, but then I just decided to embrace it. Yeah. Corey Murray. What kind of shit would you get for that? Well, name? everybody would be like, oh, Corey Michael Murray. Oh, like Chad Michael Murray? And I'm like, God damn, no. I <laughs> like, no. no I'm, I'm not related to Chad Michael Murray. I wish I was related to Bill Murray. Stop asking me. <laughs> <laughs> they had this dude in junior high. His name was legit Michael Jackson, and no one knew. Yeah. And he was in my class when they called on the intercoms, like, can we please have Michael Jackson to the office? And it's so weird for a ju- class of junior high students, but everyone just broke out in applause. Like, there he goes. Completely unscripted. The king of pop. No, no hee-hees? No, no hee-hees? No, no. None of that? No hee-hees, but a lot of laughing as they just yeah. clap, like they just yeah. saw the best show yes. of the Absolutely. fucking seventh grade. Pooping and hollering. <laughs> Welcome, guys. I'm really excited, if I haven't said it already, to have oh, you yeah. guys here. I'm oh, happy yeah. to be here, man. Same. Corey, you were about to tell me a story about um, Luling. Yeah. So Luling, Louisiana. So here, so I, I don't know if you're familiar with UL's campus, but they have uh, Our Lady of Wisdom, which is the Catholic church on campus. And I used to like play trumpet for them and stuff like that, and I used to do a lot of the churchy things and meet. But that's another story. Uh, <laughs> I was in there one day hanging out with a couple people that I used to like, like chit chat with and roll with at that time. And out of nowhere, this guy walks up to me and goes, you're from Luling. Just tells me, like, doesn't ask me like, are you from? No, he goes, you're from Luling. And I was like, who do you know me? Who are you? Like, who do you know? You know somebody. Like, I was just like, I'm not letting you get away with this shit. That's, he, that's creepy. But he goes, I he goes, I don't know any of your family. He's like, what's your name? And I was like, uh, Corey. He goes, yeah, I have a cousin who lives in Lafayette, uh, not Lafayette, in Luling, and uh, he talks just like you. I could tell by your accent. And I was like, what? And he goes, like, yeah, Luling people have an accent. I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, like, fuck you, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know how life. to feel. Like, yeah, you're just gonna come across this public area in like a coffee shop and be like, hey, you're from Luling. I can tell by the way you talk. Like. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was really creepy. 
because he he just described it as like, oh, you're like a, a mix between like a Cajun and like the Creole. Yeah. Like there's some things that I said that it sounded like I was from New Orleans. There's things I said that sounded like I was from down the Bayou. So and the, I was, the way you just said Bayou down was Bayou. bayou. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, exactly. There's there's times where like I like especially if I get rowdy or angry, I sound like I'm straight from the downtown, like straight <laughs> off the block, you know. But I had a spell where I sounded British when I got angry. Oh no! Like I started, <laughs> I started uh, an argument with like you know what? It's another thing. Like, <laughs> another thing. Like I just get an influx in my voice where I start like losing it. Like it just gets weaker, but it it's mistaken for uh, like Liverpool, you know? Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Liverpool. I fuck. just come home for like a week and suddenly my accent is in full swing. Because Corey can normally tell over the phone who I've been hanging out with when I come home, depending on how strong my accent is. Oh, yeah. So, like, if I'm just hanging out with, like, my mom and my sister, it's there, but it's not, like, as strong as if I go, like, all the way down to LaRose and cut off and hang out with my family down there. And she's been just... a day and a half down there, and next thing you know, babe, she's just talking like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just like, yeah. damn, who are you? Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Well, your family's from Lockport. That's, like, the yeah. Bayou. It really is. I mean, it's it's so the Bayou that it's one of those places that eventually is going to have an emergency evacuation because it'll be underwater. So For real? It's coming, man. My mom actually got out of Lockport, so we don't have any ties there anymore. I mean, she moved to Thibodeau. Not that that's a, well, it's a little massive better. change, but 30 minutes up the road ain't too bad. <laughs> you still have a uh, family that lives down there? Is most of your family from there? Uh, yeah. So my mom's side of the family is all from uh, down the Bayou. They go all the way from Grand Isle up to... Thibodeau, the for the most part. But yeah, they uh they go all the way down to Grand Island, come all the way back up. So uh and my dad's family's from Mississippi. We don't know much about them. So uh Word. yeah. A whole southern We are roots. the Bayou people. Uh grew up with, you know, swamp kid feet and all that jazz. So <laughs> <laughs> And to to clear up the stigma of down the bayou people, mm-hmm. they don't go to schools on boats. Or on alligators. Or yeah. on alligators. There is an alligator that lives behind Smoothie King, which is right across the street from my alma mater. Um, but he's just chilling, man. He's just minding his own business. <laughs> I hope they throw him, like, strawberries from time to time, because I imagine, like, it smells really nice over there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we drive cars and, you know, do our thing. Yeah. And we're pretty normal people, and when we get out of where we are it's even more fun and we don't have accents as strongly as soon as we leave the area which i think is really funny because like i lived in lafayette for less than a month and my accent was completely gone mm-hmm. and I which is that crazy was kind of interesting because yeah. it's still south louisiana which yeah is... exactly it's just a little i don't know the, the culture there is a little different so i think lafayette is probably the most impressive progressive place to be here in south louisiana I think it's definitely one of them for sure. I think no that's doubt, why we yeah. stay. Um, I mean, that's that's why we will be in Lafayette for the foreseeable future if we stay in Louisiana. You know, yeah, that's where we'll be. I just think, uh, like it's like that. New Orleans are like kind of like the only progressive bastions of Louisiana. You know, mm. yeah, the only places we're willing to live while staying in the. In yeah. the boot. I wouldn't even say Baton Rouge. Like some people no. would try and toss Baton Rouge in there, but I wouldn't even say Baton Rouge, man. Yeah, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't say that either. Yeah. I think Baton Rouge is, you know, it's the capital, so then it's all based about upon the probably college culture with LSU. Yeah, and I mean, LSU takes up a massive part of that city. One of my best friends is up there right now. Holla at Sarah. <laughs> in a vocal performance master's degree, because she's amazing. I am in no way close to doing any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing some cool stuff, but... I try to do. I want to um, get a few thing, a few questions out. Um, I could talk to you guys literally forever. For anyone that doesn't know, this is our like reunion, yeah. and we're having it on a podcast. Yep. I'm so That's fucking perfect. excited. <laughs> I'm just a guest. No. <laughs> Corey, man, well, you're my new friend, man. I'm yeah. excited to ask you some stuff, too, because you're qualified as fuck Yeah. from what I hear. Yeah. yeah. He's only got three degrees in music. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. He'll be it's nothing. About it. hey, <laughs> three whole degrees in music. I've got one that I'm barely keeping up with. So. <laughs> Brie. Yes. So I know you from playing with you in my first ever band. Mm-hmm. Hashtag the final cut. Hashtag the final cut. I still run the Facebook page if anyone's you, interested. <laughs> you, you hop on there because I'm an yeah. admin on there too. And yeah. I'll get posts like you haven't posted anything yeah. in uh, like 12,000 days. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have one new view. It's like who is looking at this page right now? <laughs> People are discovering us. I know. But um, before that, I don't really know much about you. And you're probably in the top 10 most talented singers oh I know. I think you're blowing smoke up my ass, but I appreciate it. It's accurate. <laughs> when did you start really getting into music? I know you used to sing with your mom. I did. So um, I don't think there was ever just a moment when I really got into music. It was always there. Um, so I come from a long lineage of singers. My great-grandmother was a singer, uh, my grandmother, my mom, and my sister. And me and my sister are about a generation apart. We're 15 and a half years apart. So, um, we all just, I grew up with that just being our culture. My aunt also sings and plays guitar and anytime we'd get together for family gatherings, that's what we did. Is there an origination, like one family member that like trickled down into the rest of y'all? Cause it's all, it seems like all the girls in your family, am I wrong? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, my dad can carry a tune. I'll give it like, my dad is not bad at singing at all. And I think I was very blessed in that both my parents could sing together they actually uh, owned a DJ business uh, from when I was from before I was born all the way up until I want to say I was about three or four. So they were like gigging musicians essentially uh, while I was growing up, which was super interesting. And my sisters also sang, so they would do it with them too. And they were teenagers when I was born, so they could go and do gigs with them, or they can go and run a gig themselves if they needed to. And I kind of just grew up with that being a thing. My great aunt is also uh, she got the same degree that I got. So she was classically trained in opera and she really believed in what I would grow up to do and what my capabilities would be. So she kind of, she helped push me a bit and her and my mom, of course, uh, helped push me a bit into the musical direction and uh, keeping me there. I don't think I ever like really decided that music was my thing though. Like it's just something that I felt I could do and should do. So that's what happened. <laughs> but something in you kept that your whole life because oh, yeah. it's kind of like people whose parents made them play piano, but they never done anything with it. Mm-hmm. You can either like learn that and then just be like, oh, it's just something I have to live around mm-hmm. or you can be like, this, this is, is this yeah. is my life. Yeah. And I think that was it too. It was such an integral part of who I am that going into college for it just seemed like the right thing to do. And I had like... Deciding on a college major was such a roller coaster because my dad was trying to push me into petroleum engineering 
And I had gone to UL Expo Day and got all of the engineering information and was like, I guess this is just what I'm going to do. I, whatever. And then uh, at the end of that Expo Day, there was, uh, they sent me a bunch of emails and whatever. And through that email, they asked you to declare a major uh, that you were interested in. And I declared theater when they <laughs> sent me that. So I was like, I'm going to major in theater. I want to be an actor and an artist. And it took until I got to orientation. Uh, or uh, maybe it was uh, preview day. I don't know. There was something that I did before, I, way before I started, and uh, I was like, no, I think vocal music, music, vocal music education is the way to go. So um, I just that's what I did. I had no idea what I was in for. Um, nobody really knew me at all there. I went. Uh, me and my best friend went together at the time, but um, I had no idea what I was in for, what was going to happen. Like I remember my first week or two into choir I was in just a regular chorale you don't have to audition to get in or anything you just sign up for it and uh the choir director was helping us learn a piece whatever and I was catching on pretty quickly like I've got a I'm not great at reading music but I can memorize a tune pretty quickly um so he stopped and like asked me what my major was and I said vocal music education and he's like you're a voice major oh our food's That's here we ordered food. Yeah. Um, hashtag waiter. Hashtag Shout waiter. out. Shout out to Corey working at waiter and also waitering us food. Um, <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, it's like similar to DoorDash or something like that. Absolutely, But yeah. better because it's original. Yeah, it's it's from, it's Louisiana-based, Louisiana strong, man. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, uh, he didn't even know that I was a voice major until I told him and... Uh, from then on, he got me into the more advanced ensemble. He, he got me to audition the next semester. My audition did not go well. He let me in anyway, bless him. Uh, and that kind of changed the course of my degree and my life, I think, for uh, the foreseeable future after that because I met the people that I would end up being friends with throughout my undergrad in that group and uh, found a mentor that is still my mentor and still my boss and still somebody that I talk to regularly. I still work uh, in the church that he's the director at and all of that, so... Uh, I text him stupid memes all the time and vice versa. <laughs> so we're we're now that I'm no longer a student, we can kind of be buds, which is nice. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you guys want to take a quick break to eat? We can start back up in a minute. We can. I don't want to, um, you know, make it difficult on you. I mean, I'll eat and we talk eat at and the talk same talk time. I do it constantly. I'm always eating and always talking. Yeah, this is, these are very powerful condenser mics. So yeah, I'm no, go let's not ASMR this shit. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back, folks. Thank you. You have to talk about the 10-year-old drummer at some point. We have to talk about our 10-year-old drummer. We can talk about him right now because we're back. Yay! Oh, <laughs> the legacy of the 10-year-old drummer. Yeah, man. Before the final cut had the swaz, we had a drummer that was only 10 years old. We were all teenagers, like very much in high school teenagers. And uh, our drummer was the wee old age of 10. And he was crazy, dude. Like, he was awesome, but he was a child. Like, so. we had a... So... Let me dive into this a little bit. Mm -hmm. In uh, my first episode I had with uh, Megan Foray, shout out to Megan Foray. Shout out to Megan. We talked about uh, creative music for kids uh, for a while. Shaped a lot of us as people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And what me and Brie were just saying. You and Megan. Megan. Well, currently. Oh, currently. Sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Don't listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Was that 
in creative music for kids while we were still like forming as a band mm -hmm. because we were you just know, a class at that point right we were just a class that learned songs and prepared for like one show at the end of the year mm -hmm. um, extravaganza extravaganza <laughs> and be in the beginning was just me you and jaron yeah it's just the three of us and but we got paired up with like three other girl acoustic players yeah um and this 10 year old drummer yeah, we did. So it was... That a, was before Julie, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't she kind of come in, like, because y'all... She, she came in because we desperately wanted to get rid of both of those girls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is super shady. Yeah. And, like, I'm actually friends with one of them now. She's at um, Northwestern getting a degree in voice, and she's killing it, dude. Remember my song? For Because you were in love with... Like, <laughs> Yes, it was like you wrote a love song. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. It's like um, when you're a kid in elementary school and you like somebody, but you pull their hair and call yeah. them names. I wrote a song called "Elena's a Whore." <laughs> God, oh, I can still no. sing it. I still like. I know the tune of the song. Like I still remember it. Oh no! I can play it right now. Oh my God! <laughs> Please, Elena's a whore. I remember. Oh, I don't remember all the lyrics. No, I w would hope not. That would probably mean something more about you than <laughs> we're ready to dive into on this podcast. We'll have to have a second No, let's episode. dive. I have my <laughs> swimsuit on. Let's do it. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> it's passable. It's the theme. There was a girl she was a whore <laughs> Her name was Elena And she sucked A ton of rocks Because you know That she just Goes around and she doesn't Give Andre attention <laughs> Cause we know Elena's a whore You know it's something yeah. Yep. God, it's beautiful. It was, listen, we were a fucking sight to behold back in those days, dude. We were so much. But we, we had so much fun all the time. So, like, I, I can't even complain. And, like, honestly, like, thinking back on it, that experience very much did, like, push me in the direction of music because I fell all in love us. with singing again, you know? Exactly. And, like, I was, I was good. I mean, I was yelling. So, be prepared for that in the future. But. Before we move on, I just want to say Elena's not a whore. That was, um, Elena is not a whore. She's a very You're not cool a whore, person. Elena. We love you. I don't She's even know who you are. I, and I, love you. <laughs> I follow you on social media, and I look forward to your future posts. So. Yeah. She's still dating the same guy she was dating then. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good for her, man. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not a whore. Definitely, Definitely not a whore. She's still with that dude. <laughs> I think that that experience was... Even if no one else continued with music, it's still a kind of a life-changing experience. Absolutely. Just, I think I'm the only one that went to college for it out of all of us. Or finished college for it, I'll say, out of all of us. And, like, that experience had a lot to do with it. It, it did. Because it, it very much, I think, figure, it helped me figure out what I liked to do in singing and, like, what I thought I could accomplish. And, like, that pushed me down a road that opened so many more avenues of singing and what I was capable of and built that diet for him real nice for when I got to college which was cool I'm also glad to see that you've never really deviated from your natural path because even when we were playing in like 
don't even know what we would call ourselves, like a, a cover rock band. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we uh, didn't have any originals. <laughs> we tried. We tried. Jared I tried wrote that one song. Yeah, I tried to bring in Atlanta's a whore, but it didn't really work with the <laughs> whole band. No. We, we, um, what is it? we focus grouped it. It didn't pass. It was more of a personal um, personal piece. After deep we track. Had it was the, deep track. We deep. had like a month-long <laughs> argument about what to name the band. So yeah. like trying to do originals, especially because we wanted to do it collaborative, never, ever panned out because we could not work together other than just playing music. Dude, collaboration is hard, man. It is. And That's we were hard. very strong-willed little kids. So um, I think Jaron was the only one that uh, like finished something and was like, we should, we should try this. And we just never did. Well, our whole idea of being a band was more thinking of ourselves independently. Yeah. Because everybody had their own, like, everyone was really different. I yeah. like music in a kind of a neutral way. Like, I can play almost anything as long as it's something that I really just can't get with, which is, I mean, maybe not rare, but, um, like, Jaron was more in, in like, um... Jaron and Swayze wouldn't play anything they didn't want to play, and that's the T. <laughs> <laughs> but me and Dooley did the same thing. I mean, there were songs that everybody else wanted to do that we were just like, no, we're not going to do that. And for some of it, it was because we didn't like the song, but I think that only really happened once. Other than that, it was, like, our actual abilities, like, I would have to sing the song an octave up for it to be possible. It's too low, and transposing just wasn't an option because of our skill level. Yeah. So, it, it we butted heads on that kind of stuff a lot. But the problem was, I mean, of course we were really young, but we also didn't have a universal goal. No. It was just, we met playing songs that Creative Music for Kids gave yeah. us, and then we formed the band, and we're like, okay, we have the freedom to play our own songs. Yeah. But we wanted to learn covers, and everyone has a different interest. It's like, yeah. oh, let's play uh, Paramore. <laughs> oh, let's play um, the Red. Oh, the let's red. play. Oh, and then Tammy uh, made us learn. Let's play um, Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> it was on the table. <laughs> what was uh, More than a feeling. Tammy made us learn more than a feeling. She pushed know. for that song so hard, and by the time we learned it, we were like, "This is stupid." <laughs> I remember. But we did it. Straining so hard trying to perfect that song. We yeah. all did. We it was a challenge for all of us, I think. I mean, it was a good <coughs> challenge, but I think ultimately that song was towards the end of us going together. And the harder part, too, was we were very, like, um, egocentric in that we were just kind of focused on our own idea of what we wanted to do, and we were paying to be there. Yeah, that's true. So we that's were paying twelve dollars a week to be there, and yeah. um, I think with that came its own pressures because you know none of us come from wealthy families, yeah. like at all, at all. So it was, I guess, um, like a push to be as productive as possible without wasting time, and not, I guess, and because of that, we didn't want to waste time. We wanted to do what we wanted to do. Yeah, we didn't want to bother our time with what other people wanted to do. And I think being sixteen and seventeen at that time was a lot of the influence there we were we were kids you know? definitely um i i promise Corey, i got questions for you hang in tight take your time man. <laughs> <laughs> but um but Bree, one thing i do talk about a lot on the show because this is something that i personally feel um i went into a little bit of a rut with music i spent some time in nashville um learning audio engineering doing some really cool things i had some kind of disappointing moments towards the end of my time there and then it kind of spiraled me out into a not knowing what to do situation here coming back to Homa not knowing if I was gonna be able to do anything with music um, I'm just curious do you feel like you've had a moment between when we were a band and where you are today where 
you know, you didn't really know what you were going to do? Or... I, absolutely, I still don't know what I'm doing. If that helps. Like, I still genuinely have no idea what's going on. Um, I, uh, I went into vocal music education as opposed to vocal performance because it was a compromise me and my dad made so that I could have a job. Um, I wanted to go into performance. I know now I probably couldn't have made it through performance because of my um, work ethic. Do you by <laughs> per- vocal performance? Do you mean like, um, like I, I saw a video of you once, like performing with a live piano player. Like, what so, would you mean by the? So vocal performance is a degree. Like that's oh, a, that's just okay. a completely separate degree that you could that you can get. Um, it's a bachelor of arts in, uh, or yeah, it's a bachelor of arts in vocal performance. And so, as opposed to what I did, I did vocal music education. So I did um, all of the theory and piano and things that vocal performance majors have to do. They did um, a little bit more in depth into music, and I think they have to take a music media class or two, and way more pedagogy than I had to take because I also had to take the education courses in how to teach kids and things like that um, that were just part of the degree, I guess. They were in no way relevant, and I use none of that information in my career now, but (laughs) it was just, I guess, the necessary evil of the career, and I'm very thankful that that is what I went to because I always had a backup plan, and I know with my degree, I could go to grad school for whatever I would want to at this point. Like, getting a degree in music in general tells people something about you because of how difficult it is, but... There was definitely a point during my undergrad, and it was it was before I found my voice in classical training because classical training is a bitch, dude. Like, especially when you grew up singing in a rock band. Yeah, you know? but, like, <laughs> but just to have the chops to be able to take it on at all is something yeah, to be said. And, and I, I'm still surprised I got through it. I think uh, there are a good few people in this world that are. But um, I just kind of went into it full force. Uh, I really butted heads with everybody that tried to tell me that what I was doing was not healthy. And that caused a couple road bumps my first year. And um, just figuring out how to how to college also did that for me. But uh, I want to say like my sophomore year of uh, school when I was in my undergrad, I hadn't found my voice yet. And like you really do have to find your voice whenever you're singing opera. Like it doesn't it's not always just there. I mean, some people are naturally talented. Like my best friend who's at LSU, she's naturally talented like that and just she so she's so her voice is massive and it's amazing. And um she just had I guess that nature about her already where she could find that voice and kind of knew what to do with it and just needed help navigating it as it grew. And that's what she's doing at grad school as well. She's continuing to navigate it as it grows and as she becomes more and more amazing. And um, I didn't have that going in. I only knew how to belt. I only knew how to use my chest voice. I, I uh, tore myself up. I uh, I'm like just, I just yelled for years. And I was massively into musical theater. I mean, I still am. But um, yeah, let's say it was. <laughs> yeah, I like only knew musical theater at the time. I didn't know what other art forms there were. And so I was massively frustrating part of my life. And there were also just a lot of things. A lot of things happen in college, you know? So it's just stressful and it's a weird point in your life of transition and in between and whatever. So I heavily contemplated changing my major probably that entire year. And I was failing classes and it was awful and whatever. But I made it through. I found my voice that year also. So I think that at the same time that I was really contemplating whether it was the best choice for me is when I really decided it was. I like once I found it I was like, yeah, no, this is this is it. Yep. All right, cool. Found it. 
tape. <laughs> Has there been a, um, because you've been in a lot of lanes, we played in a rock band as yes. teenagers, you moved on to... We did opera right opera, after that. <laughs> theater. Yeah. Do you have, like, a performance, a show that is, like, what you go to every time you think of, like, your best performance? Absolutely. Uh, UL Opera Theater, uh, I was a massive part of. I did the graphic design and, like, all of that for a while, too, but... We did a show called Another Opening, Another Show. And, well, no, I'll say it started with You're Gonna Love Tomorrow, a Stephen Sondheim uh, review. And that kind of opened my eyes to musical theater in how it could be technically difficult, which uh, was intellectually stimulating and exactly what I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And that's when I fell in love with Stephen Sondheim. I'm still in love with Stephen Sondheim and all of his work. It's when I discovered my favorite musical, Sunday in the Park with George. And that performance set me down a path I didn't even know I could go down. And so uh, we, we used to alternate. We did a musical and then an opera and then a musical and then an opera. Like fall, spring, fall, spring. So after that, we did a show called Another Opening, Another Show. And that was more song and dance. Like a lot of our shows before, uh, because our opera director staged them, they weren't a whole lot of song and dance. He brought in an alumni to come and choreograph, and that's what I'm going to say about that. And um, (laughs) whenever we did another opening, another show, he brought in somebody who was like good at choreographing and good at like putting us on stage and making us look good on stage no matter what we were doing. And like, for example, the guy that did all of that is now in Tulsa, like Oklahoma. He's a news anchor. He's doing like crazy, amazing stuff. He's being cast in all of their massive theatrical productions. He just got cast as Matilda's dad in Matilda the Musical. Hell yeah. He's badass. He choreographed that show and that sparked a new joy of I can sing and dance and this is really hard but god it's so much fun and that was so fulfilling and it eventually led me to the show that you actually got to come and see Chicago yeah I did Chicago the musical Corey was in it too Corey was in the pit and um, oh you were in the pit yeah Yeah, I played trumpet trumpet. oh yeah dude so I wish um, I had known that where were you after the show because I was conked out because he was working and doing the show yeah I was <laughs> like he normally went right home after I usually dip right after yeah because he'd work like what yeah like y'all, I, to, you didn't tell me that he came until after that know, wait, show after either that. way so I was like yeah, I, I was a little sorry. salty about it I was like oh what I'm really, <laughs> listen I'm really bad at why are you keeping my bro from me I'm man. sorry I'm yeah. really bad I'm in no way like secretive about the fact that I'm really bad at communicating so (laughs) um but yeah and I think Chicago opened even more of me up to what I really want to be doing I mean I'll never be on Broadway I'm not like crazy I know I'll never be on Broadway that's not like a realistic thing for me to aim for but I know that I found a place in local community theater in Lafayette that is just completely amazing and an awesome experience and I found an amazing group of people to perform and make art with and through that I think it helped me blossom as an artist in general like in to appreciate myself as an artist in general and it was it it, I continue to be changed by what happened in that show and what I got to experience in that show and who I got to meet in that show and who I got to get closer to who I already knew and things like that so um to say it was one show in particular, I guess would be You're Gonna Love Tomorrow because it was the opening of the door, but many more doors have opened since then, and I will continue to walk through doors as they open themselves to me. I wouldn't count out Broadway like too quickly. I mean, <laughs> of course it's a it's a huge thing, but if that's like actually something you would like want to shoot for in your future i think you have the capabilities to pursue it not that it's something you have to do but i'm just letting you know 
appreciate it. Fucking killing it, man. Yeah, thank you for continuing to blow smoke up my ass. I, uh, <laughs> That's what I'm I, here for. And I, like, I also got to, uh, I think that experience was, I played the ideal role in Chicago. Like, if you... I loved your character. I played the most, and let me tell you why it was an ideal role. I probably had the most stage time with the least amount of lines. Because I was, I played Catalan Hunyak, the Hungarian, um ballerina essentially and so all of my lines were in hungarian but if they ever needed like a fixture on stage they didn't want to just put anybody because they'd have to like pantomime they couldn't just have people like sitting there silently except for me like i could be sitting there silently because nobody spoke hungarian so i could literally just be sitting there filing my nails and it didn't matter <laughs> i think the majority of your lines were not guilty yes essentially that's uh, why when i saw you i was like not guilty yeah <laughs> And so, they hung her. Yeah. The bastards. Died. And then I died. Um, I have, I think it's also funny that I have died in almost every show that I've ever been in. Uh, you were <laughs> a fairy. Yeah, Do Fairy was the only time I, I think, it was one of the, I think, two shows I was in that I, I had no death scene. Yeah. Which was cool. I either died or was lifted up in the air by a group of boys, which I kind of wish had happened in the show, but same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was always an ego boost to be that, like, the small one in the show that everybody got to lift up in the air. Um, I have a friend who single-handedly lifted me up on his shoulder for uh, your, another opening, another show. And um, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. What is the worst show you think you've ever played? Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Sweeney Todd? <laughs> Without a doubt, Sweeney Todd. Um, Over our second show? Oh, you, oh wait, hold Which on. Which one was You worse? mean like shows, like not just musical theater, I'm like talking shows about that whole, I have played? I'm talking about being on stage and eating on shit. On stage, eating shit. Oh, absolutely, Downtown Alive. And Downtown oh, Alive. no. That show when the, we started playing Evanescence and the keyboard was transposed and we didn't know until the guitars came in and from, I was singing in the wrong key. From the beginning of the show, it was awful. It was awful. a hot mess. So, I cried so hard after that set. Do we you only know, played four songs. <laughs> do you know about this show, Corey? I was told the, the keyboard... Yeah, that was yeah. just the start. That was, yeah. from, I, even, no. I think I emotionally blocked out the rest. Let of me show. remind you, <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> of that show, we were Please. on such a high. The final yeah. cut was in its prime we after were. the first show we ever played. We yes. played three songs opening up for Uprising that opened yes. up for uh, Static Breakdown and that yes. show we were just talking about. And we got to... Um, uh, live after five and that's we were, what it was live yeah they did it i think they still do it like the last friday of every month yeah. and it's in downtown it's in the court um courthouse square mm -hmm. and we were the first band to go on mm -hmm. we don't have experience with sound guys we don't have experience with live shows in general we no. played one show and it was in a controlled environment because it was where we practiced every single yeah, week yeah it was at the, at the cajun center. country event center yeah <laughs> It's uh, venue 182 now. Uh, Cajun out. Country Event Center forever. Yeah, that's what <laughs> But, okay, so we start, and we we didn't know anything, so we just thought, okay, we're just going to go up and... Mic check, do our jam, whatever. Well, not even a mic check. We're just going to go up and start playing, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. That's when, because Brennan was messing around on the keyboard because it was well, uprising stuff. It was stuff. uprising stuff, and they had it transposed for their set. Not I mean, even for their set. I think they were just screwing around I by the keyboard getting I'm ready gonna to... I'm going to say it was for their set so that I don't kill Brendan Trant the next time I see him. They put the keyboard in like 
three they keys. transposed it three keys up. Yeah, yeah it was horrible. So oh, first no. song, Evanescence, so Bring Me to Life, Julie starts playing, and we don't have, like, we don't even know what to do when something goes wrong. So no. she just starts playing. Like second show. And Brie doesn't know what to do, so she well, just sings. Well, she starts and... playing, I just come in, because the intro of Bring Me to Life, because that's what song it was, was Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. The intro to Bring Me to Life is just the piano. Yeah. So I start singing with Julie. It's easy peasy, cake, whatever. The guitar comes in. Well, I think you maybe started singing to match the keyboard, yeah, but I then did. we're all coming in in E. Yeah. And it's just, and so I'm st- like, the keyboard drops out. I'm still singing in the key of the keyboard, and the guitars are playing in a different key. And it was just, oh, God. It's kind of so like, and I'm just like shaking and panicking because I don't know what to do. <laughs> like in the fucking so horrible key. Bad. It was so bad. So that was the first song. I immediately started crying. Jaren, <laughs> we were all in shock. Jaren yeah. is the only one that comes up on the mic and he's like, hey guys, how about a round of applause? And he's starting to bring up the spirits and he's like um, shouting Bless out him. Bree and Julie. Yeah. He goes to play um, Never Too Late by Three Days Grace and that's in drop oh D. God. He was so busy trying to recover the show from the horribleness that just happened. My voice cracked three times also because I did the mail. <laughs> yeah. Save me! Yeah. It, oh, it just, no. it wasn't happening. It was hot mess express. And he tries to bring up the crowd. He forgets to tune down the drop D. And so we're just like, not again. Son of a bitch. Oh, God. <laughs> it was literally train wreck after train wreck after train wreck. And, um... And then I got into an argument with the sound guy on stage because I couldn't hear my guitar. I thought they just cut it off and I was getting upset. I'm like, I can't hear myself and I'm yelling at the sound guy. Meanwhile, there's a whole cringing crowd of people. Yeah, there's a whole ass crowd of people there watching this all happen. (laughs) He comes up to the stage and he gets in my face. He's like, just do this. He's pointing up in the air, telling me to turn like my monitor up. I'm like, excuse me, I didn't go to live performance school. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I am the ripe old age of 16. (laughs) It's my first time in a public place playing music. Everyone just kind of put their hand over their face and turn away yeah so yeah that's probably all of the pictures so uh, here's my favorite thing about that i got some of the best pictures of all of us together from that show from before the show because after the show every picture after that i am like red faced teary-eyed from crying so much (laughs) and i remember everybody giving me a hug after because i was crying so hard everybody was like please calm down it was just one bad show and i was like i I will never play an whole hour again it was really rough at that time but i think bombing on stage if you're gonna be any type of performer is essential it surely humbled us yeah it lets you know worst case scenario and it gives you motivation to kill it avoid it yeah (laughs) well and it showed us what we didn't know about performing which is i mean a necessary thing to learn but i just sucked to learn in front of a whole lot of people that's not even my worst bomb. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I've lived those days. Nah. I mean, like, since then, I don't... I sang in a band in New Orleans for a while, but that was, like, I don't know. Really? I, I played... Yeah, so I used to actually fish sing on Bourbon Street. Fish belly. Fish belly. Fish belly. Uh, my cousin Timothy got me to come and sing in his band, and we performed uh, at 333 Bourbon Street at Prohibition Bar. Uh, we played there for a whole... I, I played with them for a whole summer and uh made cash and drove back to lafayette every night at like 4 a.m and um just kind of lived that life for a while and that was that it was it was really really fun it was about seven hours of like playing 
which was kind of tough, but I, I think it's, it toughened me up a lot, which was kind of cool and something that I didn't know I needed until I had it. And it definitely built up my stamina as a performer. Um, I think it was also just a bit easier because it was my cousin's band and like Timothy couldn't, I, I don't know. Timothy loves me. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the blessing was that Timothy loved me. So even if I showed up and didn't have certain things prepared, he'd just be like, dude, get your shit together. And then we'd move on. Be like, God damn it. All right, I got to get my shit together. <laughs> and that's the dynamic you need. I miss being in a band with you, Brie. I miss being in a band with you too, Dre. We had a lot of fun. I miss being in a band, truthfully. Well, we'll Cover make... bands don't make it in Lafayette. <laughs> We're going to make something happen through the Attic Productions. I Absolutely. We at least got to like pump out some tracks. Including you, Corey. Absolutely. Now, to Corey. My friend, you've been very silent this whole podcast. Yeah, just listening. It's good, nice to listen. Yeah. Oh, I really. There's some stuff he hasn't heard from about our. Yeah, it's been it's been really enlightening. I like it. It's fun. It's good. This isn't a part of my life he knows a whole lot about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, get ready to learn (laughs) all of this. Just wait till the video. The videos come on. It'll really be. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. But Corey, I want to know a little bit more about you because we're newer friends. I met you um, a couple times at festival. In fact, the first time I ever saw you, I met up with Bree because, of course, I was in Lafayette at festival, so I hit her up. We uh, I saw you for like the first time in years, and then. I was looking for you, and the whole time I'm just like bobbing my head because I'm like, damn, there's some awesome ass brass music playing. And I'm just walking around, and I've found Brie. I'm like, oh, Brie. And she's like, come over this way, my boyfriend's performing. I'm like, that's him? Yeah. <laughs> like, we went over, and it's just y'all like jamming, and you're on trumpet. And yeah, I'll... back when you were in New Dated. Oh, yeah. 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 Dude, we were so... soloing at that moment, too, so it was like perfect timing. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> I knew you were a baller from the beginning, so tell me a little bit about, I know you obviously have degrees in music and you're a qualified motherfucker. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Where I got are you originally from? I'm from Luling. Okay, yeah, yeah. we were just oh, yeah, talking we about talked that. about yeah, that yeah. in the beginning. So, I'm from there, so I was surrounded by like the both sides of Louisiana music, right? Like the, the Cajun and the, the jazz side, you know? Yeah. So, I have a lot of that influencing uh how i write and whatnot but i went to ul for a couple for a long time a couple couple of years years. aka 10 uh what eight years seven (laughs) seven years seven i uh i got i started started in computer science did that for like two and a half years and i was like no i don't want to sit in an office and code now which is ironically what i do now (laughs) (laughs) literally Uh, as of today yeah so uh, but uh i I switched to music media and i got a double concentration in jazz uh performance as well so i have a the jazz trumpet performance and music media how many Uh, instruments do you play uh proficiently let's say three which ones are those Trumpet, bass, and drum set. Oh, nice. Yeah. What about unofficially? Unofficially, I I like to fuck around with piano a lot. I could play, well, I could basically play any brass instrument besides like tuba really well because tuba is just like a different embouchure, but I could play like low brass instruments and I can can get get away with it on the French horn. So how universal is uh, brass instruments? Like if you can play trumpet, what else can you play pretty decently? You could pre- pretty much play any kind of high brass instrument like really well. 
there's actually like six different kinds of trumpets, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they all played a little bit differently, but they all have the same kind of fundamental aspects of it. Uh, but they all take a different technique. Yeah. Because it's, of it's, how yeah, different uh, they are. Yeah. And depending on the instrument, too, and the bore size and all the other fun stuff, like trombone, you have to have a different kind of embouchure. Tuba, you have to have a totally different kind of embouchure. But I used to actually play trombone a lot in my undergrad as like a second instrument in like brass in a basketball band and all that stuff. And uh, it's a lot of the same conceptual stuff because it's all based off the harmonic series, right? You know about that? Uh, yeah, like... Yeah, like harmonic scales. Well, no, like the harmonic series. This is like a physics thing, actually. So Ooh, teach me. You have like a, a resonating column, right? And what it naturally resonates without any kind of like buttons or anything like that, if you just think of the trumpet, if you unwrapped it into one long tube, okay? It can play... Uh, if we're going to go up, like, you could start from an octave, then it's a fifth, then a fourth, then a major third, then a, a minor third, then a major second, then a, I mean, I'm sorry, not a major second, a slightly flat minor third, then a major second, then a minor second, then a minor second, then less than a minor second, and then it gets, like, super close to each other because it's just not technically resonating anymore. But the whole concept of, like, the trumpet and all that and is all based off of that, the, that concept and what's called the rule of 6% which if you add 6% length to any kind of resonating column, like it increases, it lowers the pitch by a half step in the European PN tuning system, right? 12 mm. pitches. So like the second valve, it adds 6%. The first valve adds 12%. And the third valve adds 18%. And then when you add, like add combinations of that, that lets you go lower too, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put one and two, it's technically the same as three because it's both 18%, right? And there's all kinds of fun stuff you can you can go. This is like a fucking rabbit hole. You can go. I'm down. gonna be honest with you. I can generally understand what you're saying, but yeah. you're so deep into it. I fucking love it, dude. You are a qualified motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So long story short, they're all based on the same concept. So mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of brass players can play a lot of different brass instruments. Uh, well, maybe not because like you usually hone your embouchure and your set. Like your like the way you set your armature and all that, uh, for that specific instrument. So like I've been honing everything just for trumpet, and whenever I go play a trombone, it feels like I'm falling into the mouthpiece because it's just like a massive instrument compared to the trumpet, Damn. even though it's technically not that far away. You know, it's not that the bore size is not a little bit bigger. The mouthpiece is maybe like the diameter of it. Well, the radius of it is made is like a little less than half the the uh, size more. So. Yeah, what's um what's kind of been your your journey getting into it? Did, so you you went to school for performance and you've been a qualified horn player since. When did you did you play like in high school and that's kind of how you've built it up through time? Well, yeah, I, I started in high school and I played a lot of instruments then. Um, and when I got into college, I looked at marching band as like a a way to pay for school because they paid really nicely. Yeah, that's absolutely. true. And then I had, a, paid for. I had a really crazy thing happen to me. I became good friends with this guy named Michael Trahan. And uh, he was an example of what like a good musician is and what a dedicated musician is. And he was a really nice dude. And he actually, I got a phone call randomly while I was visiting my mom's house um, that he had like passed away, like collapsed on stage at Artmosphere in Lafayette on stage yeah and then wow. he died in the ambulance on the way to Lafayette General and it was the first funeral I ever went to and we actually had like two weeks before then we had like a super long conversation 
at Artmosphere where you gave me a mouthpiece and was essentially like, you're just afraid of like following music. You're only doing this computer science shit because you want to make money. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> and like, so, <laughs> which I know, ironically, I'm doing that same thing. But the thing is, I think there was something different there because I was meant to do that because we'll get into that no. later. <laughs> um, so whenever he passed away, I decided I was like, I probably should like try this out at least. At least give it the old college try. Give it the old college <laughs> try. And so I like changed my major after that and uh, started like working hard at it. And so like the, the actual pursuing music didn't actually come until that moment, believe it or not. Because it first was just like kind of a hobby thing, like something to pay the bills, something to like kind of have fun right. with on the side. But uh, that's when it actually was like the actual change there. That's something I really relate to just, you know, and I've talked about it before. I feel like there's this thing about where we're from. You know, you're from Luling, but it's still South Louisiana. The mm -hmm. whole South, it is so different everywhere else I've learned. Your entire life, you're kind of raised in, I guess, maybe a closer-knit community. And so your natural thoughts are within that community. So the idea of branching off and doing something outside of where you're from is so large and huge. I feel like way fewer people pursue that down here than all the rest of the country. If you Absolutely. if you're from a northern state <laughs> hell yeah. Y'all relationship goals. Right. We're just together all the time. If you're from any northern state, I feel like it's a given. It's like once you're eighteen kicking you out the nest and you just you Yeah, know. you just go and do yeah. Around here it's it's almost frowned upon to leave, yeah. which it, is crazy. It's not almost frowned upon, it it's straight up is. frowned it upon. It's straight up frowned upon. As, uh, from somebody who I moved left to Colorado. <laughs> I left to go do my masters in, in Colorado and I got excommunicated by three of my family members. Yeah. It was like within a what? month, dude. Yeah. It was within a month. I was a quote unquote he uh, weed smoking hippie who is like chasing nothing was like an exact word from one party. I was also called Colorado. a liberal socialist crybaby who has never worked a day in his life because I I do music stuff and it's like yeah it is like that is a hundred percent a thing. It's not like it's not does not actually a thing. No, they straight up there will be people who look down on you because you have left the boot. Exactly. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't to that degree, but I had people like asking me, "Okay, well, how long are you gonna go try that?" You know. Yeah. When like, are you gonna come back? Yeah. It was. It's always when are you gonna come back? Cause you can't stay gone, right? Like that's just crazy to anybody else. Right. But at the same time, like the, I guess there's some merit in it because here we are. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we always come back. We're here, but you know, we all have you know our our different ways we're pursuing it. And a huge thing I, I push with this podcast is just, you know, staying focused on, you know, your ambitions in that way. And it can be something as small as setting up an Instagram page and just, you know, posting videos of yourself if you play music, continuing sure. to draw, just putting your art out there and then getting feedback, you know, to a level that lets you know, hey, I, you know, I can do more and more with yeah. this. Well, and it's creating art for the sake of just creating art, you know, I yeah. think that's that's it's so easy to lose sight of um, in any profession, especially music, where you start to think like, well, I have to make music to make money. Right. So making music to make art isn't the focus all of a sudden, and then making music becomes different, I think, Yeah. when that becomes the forefront. I think any time it becomes more of a financial venture or a business transaction, you're going to automatically just lose 
everything that is the substance of you know what you're trying mm-hmm. to do your purpose yeah your purpose changes mm-hmm. i think it's video time oh god uh, so what is actually time for is embarrassed brie time that's what time it is um yep <laughs> so we've talked a couple times um about the final, final cut, cut days yep this is this video is from the first show we did where like andre is wearing a jonas brothers ass outfit I'm wearing a sweater. <laughs> Have you seen Absolutely. this video? I've seen like this much of this video. Yeah, I and I can't wait to watch the whole thing. Uh. We can kind of give a, a play-by-play as this. You hear Adam talking about my, my guy part. Uh-huh. I sent you pictures. I'm gonna well, I'm not gonna post it online, but there's a moment right here. Wait, no, 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 not yet. Right before the first chorus, you gain confidence. Yeah. You look very scared right here. I was terrified, dude. We were all shaking nervous oh, before we got up on here. Almost up. How old were you? 16. That's really good for 16. Why are you, like, knocking this? I would start yelling it. Because it's us. Right there where you went, oh. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> the mic stand out of the way. Dude, people are losing their shit. <laughs> Dude, everyone was going crazy. That's, that's, this is the high we were at when we did so shitty the second show. Oh, shit. Oh, God. That's too, oh, too familiar. I know what that is. Oh, none of the pinch harmonics. I was looking forward to it. We weren't at that level yet. <laughs> oh, Alton. Oh, God, I forgot about Alton. I miss him. Look at old Jared. Darren. That pumpkin king shirt, he still wears it for Hey Thanks Gigs. Shout out. He has the same wardrobe from high school. You hear my mad singing skills. If you can see Brie in this video right now, dude, she's killing it. I'm wearing a sweater vest <laughs> on stage. What am I doing? 16 year old me was there a mad swoon <laughs> mad swoon dude fanning himself off in the back I know. the tea is that that was when I played tennis and I was in shape so I might have just been a dude just like fucking took off his shirt like, <laughs> <laughs> like who's this asshole look at this <laughs> Look at that mustache belt. I still have it, dude. She it doesn't look it. like that anymore, but no, I still have it. You can tell my mom's videoing because I'm the only person in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> my Justin Bieber haircut. Poor Julia, though, her part in the song was... I know, it was literally just stand there and bob back and forth, play the intro, and then... She did the piano part, and it's like... All right, I'm just... <laughs> She's like harmonies of hers. Yeah, I uh, was a bit of a bully in that I was kind of a front runner of the band and refused to 
let that go. Well, we saw Uprising, and we saw what having three singers in a band does to somebody. So yeah. I always push for one of y'all to like take the front. Take the lead, yeah. And, and like, I was happy to do it. I'm yeah. holding my diaphragm in place, literally holding it, because I was gonna hold that note for as long as possible. That was our closer. Hell yeah, good closer. We so we used to do. Um, Oh, what was it? We did Walk This Way into um, Harder to Breathe. So we did uh, Aerosmith into Maroon 5. And then we did... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and find yeah. that because I have a whole video of that. Um, luckily, you don't post on Facebook much, so it no, shouldn't be too hard to find because all of the posts that I'm seeing right now are um, photos that you are tagged in <laughs> of your family. So. Um, I'll try to make this more available on Facebook, but that's what I'm scrolling through right now. Yeah. It's probably in videos, if nothing else, too. Aww. I don't even know how to... Look at that family. Oh, look at this. Do you remember whenever we went... Oh, man. So this also means that our friend anniversary just passed a few days ago. Oh, that's yeah. October 14th. So but that's literally just like four days ago. That's our friend not, anniversary. We've been friends for nine years on Facebook. That's not our literal friend anniversary. No, though, that's like our, our Facebook, Facebook friend anniversary. Yeah. Although it's not much different, I don't think. Because we met about nine years ago. It's been almost ten years of our bullshit. So We met, <laughs> we had to have met in 2009, I was, I was right? in eighth grade. Yeah, I was in eighth grade, so yeah. um, we're going on ten years. Because I, I know for sure I met Jaren when I was in eighth grade, and uh, you weren't long after. That's yeah. the same video. Um, but close. yeah, so uh, while Andre's looking for that, I'll tell you a cute little story about how Andre came with me to audition for American Idol. Oh, please. Um, so American Idol auditions came to New Orleans, and my mom was like, you want to go? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to go. So we got tickets. We did the whole thing. Uh, we stayed in New Orleans, uh, and Andre came with, and it was super fun. We uh, waited in line at like 5 a.m. And uh, we were like the cut off of people who got to be on TV. Uh, like they cut the group off at us. So we did not get to be on TV. Um, <laughs> we just got to stand in line. But uh, we did wait, get wait, to wait, meet wait, some wait. people. Speak for yourself, Brie. I put myself on oh, TV. Oh, he did. You Andre. That? <laughs> yeah, uh, Andre was interviewed by... Uh, no, no, no. Lady, no. You were interviewed. I. Um, oh, you just walked behind uh, James. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Someone, James Durbin. Yeah. You just walked behind him while he was being interviewed and like looked at the camera and then kept walking. <laughs> Andre was gonna have his moment. That's this, from the that's from the downtown. The bad Live show? after five show. Yeah. That's that right before, before our lives ended that day. Yeah, that was right before oh, we embarrassed no. ourselves. That's one of my favorite pictures of us. We were being so dumb. But anyway, yeah, we waited in line from 5 a.m., uh, blah, blah, blah. We go inside. What you don't know about American Idol auditions is that it is in no way you go on and immediately meet the judges. There's about five rounds. Oh, that's from the telethon. That's so cute. It's uh, about five rounds of weeding out the week. And so round one, I was out. So <laughs> I went in and sang, uh, oh, look. oh, that's the moment. <laughs> I'm going to have to post this picture. This is on Fox News. Fox News. Andre just walked in the background of this girl. I still follow her on social media, by the way. Her name's Jazzy Owens. She's in the middle of singing a song to show her skills for the American Idol auditions. Yeah. Andre just, like, moseyed on behind her and then walked back. Um, That was a band practice. What are we singing? Look, that's Emily. Emily's in that video. Wanted. Dead or alive. Emily Adams. This is a practice in 2009. This is Brie. 
And I'm standing on a chair playing bass, getting ready to jump off. Yeah. Because I was cool. I knew he was about to eat shit. Who's <laughs> playing drums? Is that Brennan? Oh, yeah. That's Brennan, yeah. I was trying so hard to get Beautiful. Emily to rock with me. <laughs> oh, shit. Look at him. <laughs> he lands in a meal. It's one thing I'm so... Um, not happy about that there were so many times you were looking at me like because me and you we probably had more of the we had a hella on stage chemistry like, yeah so much fun I, there's so many times i was just on my own thing and you're like hey let's do yeah i'm singing sing, to, like, dance with me oh you see oh, look, there's elena you see that blonde <laughs> whore you see that blonde whore in the middle you're gonna get this taken down for definitely. She's only colloquially a whore. Yes. I love you, Elena. Well, I'm so, so like, sorry. We all the, do. Here was the thing about me and Andre on stage together. Darren was literally dead on stage. Like there was, he would not make a face. He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't like. He stood there and played exactly like as he is doing in this frame. And he is so different now. I am almost spiteful about it, but I'll leave that for a later I, date. <laughs> I saw Hey Thanks Live twice. You did. Yeah. How yeah. did you think? Please come with me. They're fun. They're super They're fun. They're fun. I like no lie. I was like, man, I don't know if I'm like this. <laughs> yeah. Is that kind of not your typical genre? Yeah, pop I don't really listen to pop not. punk no, at all. That's but like, me. it's fun live. So like, I'm not gonna knock it. You know, like it's it's fun. And like, he came with me because I was so adamant about like, these are my friends. Like, these are my these are yeah, my. Yeah, she was people. like, you need to support your friends, because I support yours. It's like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. fair, totally friends. fair. Yeah. yeah. And like, these boys like legit are more like. At this point, they're really more like my family than they are my friends. Like, yeah. Because it's it's almost like we have this obligatory connection that we can never, ever let go. And it's why we all still love each other, even though we never talk. And why our relationship is so special. Because, I mean, being the Bayou kids that moved to Lafayette, and then everybody started dropping like flies and moving back home, I'm the only one out of, like, our class that stayed, other than, like, Bryson. But... And Bryson's doing awesome too. Uh, he's about to finish. Oh, that's a different. That was uh, Voice of the Wetlands. Yeah, that was a pretty good one? show. God, it was so hot, and I wore like a cutoff sweater. I had made so many mistakes that day. I, I want to say this real quick. We're about to play um, "Sound of Madness" by Shinedown. Oh God! It was. I, Why I, did I sing that? Song? I don't know, but you Tammy went through baby. a dilemma with Miss Tammy and the certain shows. Certain shows they didn't want us to curse, so. The only curse word in the song, yeah, I get it, you're an outcast, always on the, you need a sharp shotgun a blast, ass. a kick in the ass. She, she like, literally tried to say, like, butt one day. <laughs> this is a kick in the butt. You tried it one time. So bad. And you were like, this is stupid. I'm absolutely not doing th that. This was the first show you are like, fuck it, ass. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> it was fun to play certain songs that were really good. I still know all the words to the song. What's that? I still know all the words to the song. <laughs> well, how could you forget? I know. Ingrained in me. Look at the little, like, seven-year-old dancing in front Look, of me. Look, she's getting gangster she with is. it, too. Oh, yeah. I love her. Throwing down. <laughs> Those drop D songs are so much fun. I'm committed to finding what I'm trying to find. Julie playing the tambourine like a good sport. 
That's what I'm saying. A few of these songs, she's just there like... I was very much the front man of the band. And like, I don't think I realized how much of an asshole I was about it until after the fact. And she even called me out for being an, out, for being an, out, an asshole about it. And I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> I, was, I was legit just like, I'm going to sing these songs. And then we got to the point where she was like, can we do more songs that I sing? And I was like, sure. And then we picked like four songs and she sang one of them. <laughs> we like, found hey. it. What did we find? What is this? Oh, an oh. error occurred. We didn't find shit. Wait, just refresh it. <laughs> oh, no video unavailable. Oh, Who no. posted it? That's what we need to know. No, no this wasn't me. Oh, no. That, that was, was probably you. the you. Uh, Y'all, I'm in tears. We were babies. I think, uh, I think that might have been your old YouTube. I still have the Final Cut YouTube. It's still functional. It's still my personal email address that it's on. So <laughs> I, I want to say I, it's on Facebook too. I'll, I'll do a few know. more scrolls. I saw I the other one was posted by my uh, my former stepdad. Hot take: Three of us have to start a band right now. What are we oh doing? My God. Uh, first of all, we're gonna call ourselves Panoramic View, and you'll fight me about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know. I'll pick up one of those guitars that's sitting over there, and I will play "One of Dead or Alive" until you guys come up with something better to do. Um, I want to. No, I was saying like a long-term plan. Like oh, we're here to start plan? a band. <laughs> not... I thought you meant like right now. Drop what you're doing or something. No, I was saying like just. Oh. Um. If we were to start a band right now. I would only want to do uh, show tune covers. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yep. You're out. Okay. <laughs> to the loo, bitches. I'll take my vision elsewhere. Ta ta, motherfucker. I'll take my vision to the trash can. Um, I've just always wanted to do like an electro pop group. Electro pop. I don't know. I, if I, like if like Chromeo. Like, like that, something uh, like that. I like yeah, You know the... Chromeo? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like fucking. Uh... Why can't I only think of Chromia? I know there's like, oh, like Caffeine and like all these other like electro pop groups and all that. Oh, I love it. It'd be so much fun. Man, I don't know what I could pull off. I know I have um, blues skills. I could play some blues guitar and um, I could find my way around on a keyboard. But as far I can as. I find my way around on a keyboard well enough. I mean, just tell me what. If you could find play. your way around a keyboard, then we can definitely do an electro pop group. Shit. That's the thing. Like, you hook. That's really it. It's just. You can, yeah, you don't even need a drummer. You just set, yeah, you have a computer, you have like five synths, you you sequence half of it and figure out what you want to play live. Oh, yeah, just search the Final Cut on YouTube. That'd probably be so much faster. (laughs) Oh, no, because it's just going to come up with Pink Floyd. (laughs) Look up the the Final Cut official. Did we have a Facebook, I mean, a YouTube page? Yeah, it's on my personal uh, email address. O F F I C I A L. It's spelled right there for you, Andre. I can't read. <laughs> Andre Edward. I can't read. <laughs> well, I can't read. Hey, everybody! After an unexpected break, we are back. That's just how we roll up here in the attic. Mm-hmm. But uh, I learned something about you, Corey. Tell me about this tour. So I played with Dr. John for a little bit. Uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. John, he uh recently passed away god bless him he was a good dude uh the they needed a horn section for a show at the hyman center and terrence blanchard wasn't gonna be in like the first three shows of the louisiana crossroads road store so i got called up for the first two um and it was like a little baby tour it's not really like a tour tour but i got to rub elbows with all these super cool dudes and i got to take a few solos and all that and i played the lead book and it was big shoes to fill because Terrence Blanchard is a fucking monster. But he's uh, he's so goddamn good. How'd you get asked to do that? 
I got lucky. <laughs> uh, my uh, my big band teacher, uh, professor, yeah, professor. Professor. Doctor. He, uh, yeah, Dr. Hockeppel. <laughs> he, uh, he pulled me into his office. He was like, do you want to play a gig? I was like, well, yeah. Like, I was just like, this money? Duh. Yeah, of course. He's like, all right, what about 150, uh, 150 bucks? We have a, uh, a sectional uh, sound check in the gig. For Dr. John with his new, uh, uh, I think it's Ski Ski Dude Ski Be Bop or Ski Do That or something. Uh, it was just the title of his Louis Armstrong tribute, and he like had some super cool like funk versions of a lot of Louis Armstrong classics. My favorite was this Mac the Knife arrangement. Well, it wasn't I his. I love Mac the Knife. Yeah, he made a. Do you need to hear it? It's so good. He had an arrangement uh, by this lady named Sarah Morrow, who. Uh, she like arranged half the horn charts and like a lot of the tunes for him to sing and it's like all these like upside down versions of Louis Armstrong tunes. Man. Um the opener was uh what was the opener? Um fuck, well, I can't remember it. But I just remember like the whole show was nuts, especially the first one because we we're supposed to go on sh- on to stage at like 7:30. We get on stage, and of course, like the Wayla Jones, who's like he was played for like the fucking Coltrane family and all this crazy stuff. Everybody on stage, most of the band was from like the New Orleans uh, revivalists, so like they do a lot of stuff where they back up New Orleans art- artists and stuff, and they're like basically the New Orleans studio musicians. They uh, not to be mistaken with the revivalists. Yeah, not the revivalists, but they're new- the New Orleans revival. I think is what they're actually called, but. Um, a lot of those guys are insane, insane. The organ player didn't look at a piece of music. His all of his music, quote unquote, was like just chords, and he was just like, "Oh, what do you tell me?" You just you give him numbers of like the chords, like, "Oh, it's a two five to this, it's this." this. He's like, in his head, just like keep beep, 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 all of a sudden in his Don't head. Don't those kind of humans make you feel like subpar? Oh, it made me furious because I'm like, <laughs> I'm sp- I spent hours learning how to do some of this shit, and he's just like, oh yeah, it's this, 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 do, do, do. okay, cool. It's like, oh, this dude's been behind an organ since he came out the womb. So, but uh, we get out there, and he's like, all right, just just vamp the beginning. We vamped the beginning for 25 minutes, <laughs> literally. 25 minutes before we play the first song, the first tune. Uh, and totally, like, improv Like, you just have to follow when they're coming out of it. Yeah, because Dr. John wasn't coming out of the, the bus. I Apparently, because he, he was of old age, he might have been a little under the influence of something. Who knows? He comes out, like, we were just waiting on it, and then Sarah leaves the stage, because Sarah Morrow was also playing trombone for this. And so she, like, puts his trombone down, and she leaves stage. We're like, what the shit's going on? And she comes back and she like puts her sunglasses on and she's like, okay, okay, let's go, let's go. I was like, look, and they're like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, bring it welcome to the stage, Dr. John. Everybody loses their shit. And I'm like sitting there going, oh, fucking finally. It's like, I already blew like half my chops on just the fucking opening of the show. And so after that, like, it was like, all right, we're actually in now. Uh, because at first it was supposed to just be like maybe 32 bars, like, the whole form, you know, where yeah. they just kind of introduce everybody in the band. And, uh, but I blew for like two choruses up front and like I traded with the trumpet player and like they like broke it down and all this other stuff. And we're all just kind of looking around like, where the fuck is Dr. John? Like, <laughs> where is he supposed to be? And it was wild. But after that, after the, he got back on stage, it was just like smooth sailing from there. But it was cool because he had like a, he had like two canes. 
in the theater. He walks up and like both the canes are just covered in like peacock feathers and chains and all kinds of like other exotic bird feathers. And... Extra AF. Oh yeah, and his suit was like bright fucking purple and like all Mardi Gras colors and shit. That's how you roll through. Oh yeah, <laughs> he definitely was like we had to wait for him for sure. But yeah, it was super cool playing those shows. Only thing I can think of relating to that, I, when I worked at, um, I went to school in Nashville for audio engineering at Dark Horse uh, Institute, and it started from a recording studio out in Nashville, mm-hmm. and he started the school because he saw a lot of interns he was hiring on, didn't know what they were doing, and so after you graduated the uh, school, you were offered a spot as an intern if you, you know, were proved that you knew what you were doing, and I worked as an intern forever, and we would have, like, high like priority sessions but you never got told who it was so you there was no chance of you like posting it on social media or something like that and fucking tommy lee from motley crew showed oh, up shit. like we were just making coffee in the kitchen we knew someone big was coming but of course we don't know who and my buddy's in the, looking at the window he's like dude fucking tommy lee and i'm like what <laughs> he's like tommy lee is outside and i'm like not in fucking nashville and sure enough fucking tommy lee rolls in Hey, what? I'm just trying to find out where I'm supposed to go. We're like, like shaking, like <laughs> pointing this, this way, <laughs> that, that way. Lee. Would you like coffee? We make coffee. Would you like water? Just and he's like, yeah. And then eventually, McMar showed up with like Heck. some thirty-something-year-old under his arm, and we had apartments downstairs. And he's like sniffling his nose, and he's like, I'm trying to find a room, <laughs> like I can. Oh. I can and we were like, uh, and I showed him to one of the apartments, and I don't know what happened, but he looked like he was trying to go do cocaine. So that's my <laughs> Mick Mars cocaine story. Amazing. <laughs> that I tell myself and other people. Yeah. Dude, so I was, I, I was stagehanding for Kenny Loggins. He has stagehanded for some crazy people, by the way. We gotta that's become like, more friends. Man. Oh, yeah. Like, we, this, like, Corey could have done an entire episode by himself. <laughs> next time last. we have to do like a one-on-one with me and a one-on-one with him because he can literally talk your ear off about this stuff i agree because he's done so much like it's not even like he's it's not like a, a brag or like anything like that it's just he's literally experienced so much in like the past 10 years but yeah what was funny is i thought like kenny loggins was just like the 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 cool dad from the 80s like <laughs> he like shows up He's in a Hawaiian shirt, cargo shorts, the cargo khaki shorts specifically, and flip flops. And he's just like shaking all his hands, like stages, the stage hands, hands and stuff like that. And I wasn't, I was like a lead because I also did like contracts and stuff with this company as like a sound engineer and all this other shit. But uh, you stayed behind the board, or are you like were it depended up on the gig. It it really depended on the gig because I did like spotlight for Pitbull. I did like lasers for Lady Gaga. I did pyro for Queen. I did all kinds of random shit. Bro, yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, I told you. So the uh, with Kenny Loggins, I was just a stagehand, and uh, I was like helping lead the stage transitions because it was with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra the CSO. I knew some people in the CSO, so they were like they requested me to help like this is this transitions this is what we're doing it was like kenny loggins with the cso but when kenny loggins showed up the only thing that they sound checked with was like the chorus of footloose and it was so strange because <laughs> like 
they would be like, all right, a one, two, three, a foot loose. And they would start going on. And then and they would stop like mid-chorus. And then everybody would just cut. And they'd be like, oh, we need this up in this monitor, this, this, this. Okay. All right. You ready? One, two, three, a foot loose. And it was just that the whole, like, for like 30 minutes, like on and off, foot loose. For... You're already tired of foot loose. Yeah. And I was like, and then, you know what's the shitty part? Final Countdown was not on the set list. What? Of all this out of all the song, I was pissed because I was like super excited for this show because I was like, I get to hear co- like Kenny Loggins playing with the CSO not do fucking Final Countdown, which is like the perfect thing to do with a full orchestra. Like it made me so mad. In that moment you were just describing with uh, Footloose, at first when it happened, were you just caught off guard automatically that you're hearing Footloose from the the, the people from, that yeah, from <laughs> wrote Footloose? Yeah, yeah. It was weird because, like, <laughs> at first it was just, like, we're kind of just standing, like, wait, this is happening. There's sound checking with this. And then it turned into us doing the fucking line yes. dance and then stopping right when it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, like, just... yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, because it was, like, 30 minutes of that. So we had to sit there and just wait until we can start moving shit off for the transition and all that. So whenever, <laughs> every time they stop, it's just, like, we do the dance and they... <laughs> We stop and just kind of look at each other like, all right, a one, two, three, a button, we go back into it. <laughs> What's the best um, show you were ever a part of in regards to the ones you've worked on with major people? Uh, definitely running monitors for, um, definitely running monitors for, uh, why can't I think of the goddamn names? Uh, the Roots. Like oh hell yeah, yeah. The roots? oh hell yeah yeah, yeah. I uh, I got to meet like all of Bob Marley's family essentially. Wow. Yeah, it was super tight. Uh, after the show, I'm rolling up like I ran monitors for them, and then like during the show, this is actually in Lafayette. This is before I even moved to Colorado. In Lafayette. Yeah, at the Where ACA. At? Oh. Yeah, and so they had a show at the ACA, and I got called to run monitors for them. I uh, I ran monitors. Helped him out, whatever, got him set up. The keyboard player was a dick. Not Bob Marley's son, because there's two keyboard players, but the actual keyboard player, he was a dick. You were not cool. I know you're related, but you weren't cool if you ever hear this. So Unk was still in the band, like his brother. He was the bass player. I'm rolling down this keyboard player's massive-ass fucking antiquated rack, because he had like this old-school keyboard rack where he has all these synthesizers plugged in with... Oh, I'm you sure. Know. Yeah, and it wasn't like he's just using the same equipment that he was using, like, you know, back in the day. So I'm rolling this rack up and I, I push it up and I see, like, there's, like, some cops just chilling and he's holding, like, a wooden pipe just sitting in the back of this trailer that's attached to their bus. And I was like, yo, like, it's not cool to do this down here because it was, like, their second show in Louisiana. I was like, you can't just do it in the street. I don't want you to get in trouble. He just looked at me. He was like, all right. And so I pulled up. The, uh, I closed the door and after I closed the door he like offers it to me and I was like oh I'm like working right now but <laughs> he just sat there I just watched him smoke and I was just he's asking about who I was and whatnot and he's just well man thank you man for looking out for a brother and I was like hey no problem dude but he couldn't hear where the shit so every time I talked to him I was like no like yeah that's I I study music at UL you know like <laughs> so, does that mean you've met Questlove? Uh, no, I would, they're not me, Questlove. I would let Questlove do unspeakable things to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my take on Questlove. I do, I, so, I, I would love to teach a lesson to my kids about roots and that whole thing, because I teach at a 
at a specific demographic, and I think that would be really beneficial. The whole story about. behind Questlove is so cool. I love the fact that he was just like, you know, I'm going to stick a bunch of my parents as record players and get something to control the volume between the two and make beats with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish That's I awesome. knew more about Questlove, but I just appreciate the roots of, for yeah, the music really I've heard, and I haven't dived as deep into them as I have with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's safe to say that we could go on for several more hours but i think we have everything we need for the time being and i know you guys need to get back to lafayette but of course as jamming in the attic tradition the end of every episode i ask my guests to perform something oh what do you want (laughs) and i want some quality time to get that in right now so i'm gonna leave it up to y'all but i'm willing to set up anything i have available to y'all i'm looking forward to your pipes and your musicianal talent you think we could put something together? I just want to see you guys perform. Uh, Can we do that? Sure. Uh, I'll, I, I'll play something if you hand me a guitar. I haven't cut my fingernails in a while, so it shouldn't be too horrible. Well, let's figure something out. I want to um, I wanna spend just a little bit of time doing that, and we'll get you all out of here. Um, real quick to let everybody know, once again, thank you guys for all the support I've had so far. Everyone who's listened to my podcast and supported me online, you know, it means the world to me. This is a slow build up, but I have a lot of avenues. I'm taking the Attic Productions and I'm looking forward to bringing everybody with me. I'm trying to look to do something special for my current followers, um, you know, because I just I appreciate it so much. But I'll get back to you all on that. Follow me at the Attic Productions on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at the Attic Productions. Uh, YouTube and Apple Podcasts is where we have, you know, all the podcasts we're releasing. We have a new one coming out, Just Chillin'. I'd love to have you guys on that. We're doing that one out of Lafayette, so we'll make that happen. It's just a story uh, telling podcast. Uh, me and Matt Talbot are hosting it, and uh, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to bringing that to y'all. Uh, but thank you, everyone. Here's a special song from Bree Simmons and Corey motherfucking Murray. Deep down under you 
when your twisted words your help just hurts you are not what i thought you were hello to high and dry convinced me to please you made me think that i need this too i'm dying to let you Today